Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and I am so happy to welcome back our regular guest of the podcast, dear friend and policy expert, Jill Hayden, director at Sellers Dorsey, to discuss what's going on in the world of behavioral health here in Illinois. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here as always. Looking forward to our discussion today on behavioral health. There's lots of activity that's going on this month, so happy to be here. And I am always excited to talk to, talk to you because much like me, you are a policy nerd at heart. And oh my goodness, there is enough to keep us policy nerds busy for a long time in behavioral health space right now. And why we're talking about this, of course, and I I just like to stress this every time I get an opportunity, is that Medicaid is the largest payer of behavioral health services. And so when Medicaid policy changes, or as we're going to talk about with 988, when federal policy changes, It just has a big impact on Medicaid members and truly on the healthcare system at at large. So let's get started with the most recent changes. I kind of teed one up, but there are quite a few big things happening this month. You want to walk us through? Absolutely. Yeah, there certainly are. And um, as you pointed out in Illinois, there um, you know, there's things that are happening in Medicaid, but there are things that are happening beside Medicaid that also impact um, the whole system. So um, just for the audience, um, you know, in Illinois, um, the Department of Human Services, the Division of Mental Health is the agency that's responsible for certifying community mental health centers in Illinois, um, which provide a great deal of service to Medicaid members. Um, But they also serve the public at large, lots of uninsured individuals as well. And um, and so they work closely with the Division of Mental Health. Um, As you alluded to, there is a federal initiative happening right now, actually went live July 16th, um, called the 988 Crisis Line. So 988 is a federal initiative. It is happening across the country um, where individuals who are experiencing a behavioral health crisis can call 988 instead of like 911 um, and get the idea is to get um, resources uh, dispatched appropriately for whatever crisis they may be in. Um, And here in Illinois, the Division of Mental Health is the responsible agency um, overseeing that program. So they are working closely with the community mental health centers to establish a crisis continuum, because as you can imagine, when somebody calls into the line, they need somebody to respond. And so they've been working closely with the community mental health centers and also with um, call centers in general um, to get those uh, that capacity built to be able to respond appropriately um, to those calls coming in. So that's a huge initiative here in Illinois, but also across the country. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing progress. It's an amazing step forward. It's such a needed resource. Um, and, and the idea is there's this one easy number to call um, and, and that they'll be somebody there to answer um, and and to help. And 
even though we know it is needed, it is necessary, there's this policy piece behind it of like, how do you stand it all up? How do you make sure that it works as intended? Um, because, you know, the idea for a um, behavioral health crisis line is that people are calling in crisis. And sometimes that crisis might, you might be able to handle, um, you know, via just talking to them, right? Um, sort of like the, the national suicide hotline. But sometimes there needs to be more and there needs to be referrals or somebody, you know, and how do you navigate all of that? It is so critical. It is an amazing resource that I'm grateful for, but there's a lot of policy machination behind the background. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, somebody calling into the line may not require the resources to be dispatched out to that person, but they may just need somebody to talk to. Um, and so that's a really a different take on, you know, how something like 911 works, right? Like it really answers the specific issue of the person um, that's experiencing whatever crisis or, um, you know, whatever issue is, is being had at the moment. And so making sure that, you know, somebody has somebody to talk to, that if they do need somebody to come out, that that person is trained appropriately and how to specifically deal with those issues is really key to this program. And, you know, it doesn't matter what type of um, insurance status they have. It doesn't matter if they're Medicaid or uninsured or they have commercial insurance, that person or those resources are going to be there regardless of what that person's status is in terms of insurance coverage. Absolutely. And before we move on to any of our other policy discussions, because I think they're going to all interweave, I just want to say it one more time, like 988 is the mental health resource, regardless of payer, as Jill just pointed out. So if you have commercial insurance, you have no insurance, you have Medicaid, you have Medicare, 988 um, for behavioral health crises. Um, and, and again, there's that continuum of needing somebody to talk to. Um, this is really replacing the national suicide hotline uh, or you need more um, or somebody in your family needs more. So 988 is a resource. It is live. You can call. Um, and, and there's been a lot of work to stand it up here in Illinois. But truly, 988 nationally um, is that resource. Yeah. And lastly, I would just say the other thing that sort of distinguishes it from 911 is that um, in addition to being 24-7, which of course 911 is as well, it also includes calls, chats, and texts. So um, that's a little bit different than, than we've experienced in the past. And so um, there are call centers, uh, again, 24-7 statewide, who will be there to answer um, in whatever, you know, fashion someone tries to reach out. So that's also helpful. And that's so critical because there have been studies that have shown, especially for adolescents and like young, like college, young adults, college kids, that the texting option um, is very helpful. And so, you know, knowing and, and making sure that not only that adults know about this resource, um, but also that adolescent age where we are just seeing um, a heartbreaking uptick in both mental illness, but also suicide. And so making sure that, that everyone knows about this resource and how to use it. Um, and, and the modality, the, that varying modality, as you said, Jill, is critical. Yeah, absolutely. 
which is a great segue into our um, next topic. Um, so if it's okay, um, I just would like to announce that Illinois officially has federal approval for its 1915I state plan amendment, um, which is nerd speak for um, the Pathways to Success program um, in Medicaid specifically, which um, is a set of new services for children who are diagnosed with um, some sort of mental health or behavioral health issue and uh, meet a higher level of intensity need um, for these additional services. So we've been working on this in Illinois for a long time, have submitted the proposal to federal CMS and that approval came through, um, I believe last week or the week before, so in July. Um, um, so again, lots, lots happening here in the state of Illinois related to behavioral health. And this is so exciting. Like you said, part of it is just we've been working on it for so long. But again, you know, Medicaid were the largest payer of behavioral health services. And there has been a known opportunity in the continuum of care for behavioral health services for children in particular. Like it is just, there's just such a need. And so to finally have this approval to finally be working towards implementation is exciting. Yeah, and um, like you said, we've known there was a need for quite some time. In fact, it's, it's been there's been a court case associated with it, um, and, a, and, and a consent decree called the NB consent decree. And Pathways to Success is essentially the implementation plan to answer that consent decree. Um, and just to give you a sense, um, the new services that we're talking about are um, home and community-based services. So we're talking about family peer support, um, respite for families, intensive home-based services, um, therapeutic uh, mentoring, um, and then of course, a higher level of care coordination um, that includes high fidelity wraparound and intensive care coordination for these kids, really to help them and their families navigate the healthcare system um, to ensure that they are receiving the, the services that they need, including this list of new services as well. And it's so critical because when you think of a child with severe, actually, let me take a step back. You think of a family with any member with severe mental illness, it impacts the whole family. But when it is a child, it is such a greater need and more difficult because not as many professionals specialize in um, children and adolescents. Uh, you know, there are all of these different needs. Like, you know, obviously, like we think of like a behavioral health hospital, those are, you know, by and large, like for adults. Um, and so how do you get children that their needs met? And it's just, it's a whole other level of complexity. And so that additional wraparound, those care coordination and the respite for the family are so critical in ensuring that these children can get the help that they need, maintain that family unit, which I think really step, but it was part of the issue of, of there wasn't, there weren't a lot of options for these families um, besides essentially relinquishing care of their children, which as a mom, like, I just can't imagine that your choice is between relinquishing care to the state and basically saying you're no longer their parent or not being able to get them the help that they need. And, um, there were lawsuits over this and the courts essentially said, like, you guys as a state of Illinois, you have to do more to prevent 
this heartbreaking situation. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the idea is really just to help parents, um, whatever form that takes, right. could be foster parents. Um, you know, it could be a kinship situation, depending on whatever situation that the child is in and really giving them some help, some resources, um, you know, so they're not at a loss, um, and helping them navigate whoever's in that child's life. I mean, you know, the, the child is also enrolled in school. And so, you know, dealing with the administration and um, teachers um, and, you know, other students can be challenging sometimes for kids with some behavioral health issues. And so it really is meant to help parents and other individuals and organizations in that child's life um, really put a plan together to to tackle whatever the issue is. So um, I think it's going to be a great, a great program. Um, but it's going to take some time, I think, to get fully implemented here in the state of Illinois. So the state plan amendment was um, approved and effective July 1 of 2022, but we know it's going to take several months um, to get the program up and running. And um, to that point, um, you know, I think one of the concerns is that the community mental health centers, again, are the providers who are responsible for these new services and for this new level of care coordination um, as part of the Pathways program. And so, um, you know, they're sort of being called upon for a lot of the behavioral health initiatives in the state of Illinois right now. And as we all know, there's workforce shortages throughout the country in all sectors, but especially in, in healthcare and behavioral health. So we need to keep that in mind as well, sort of as we we stand up these programs. And I think as you framed it, there are a few things I want to tease out here. And then I'm already thinking this could be a, its own podcast that maybe we walk through at some point of sort of what does it mean for a law or an idea or a program to become a reality? Because so often we see, like, so in this instance, the, the SPA was approved. It has an effective date, I think, of 7-1. But, like, the program um, is going to go live a little bit later, you know, or a law is passed. But, like, that's just, like, the first step of what it means to have a program where people can be served by it and utilize it in the way that's envisioned. And then it also, that program bumps up against reality, and so, you know, there are workforce shortages, there are workforce challenges, we're, we're aware of it in our daily lives, um, but in the healthcare space, it's been exacerbated by just years of trauma um, and, you know, the past few years and, and, you know, just mental health crisis after mental health crisis and underfunding, you know, historic underfunding that goes back decades, you know, like, so there's just so much where there is this program that is needed and it's bumping up against the realities of a lot of moving pieces at once. Some of it have just truly, any program you have just takes, you just have to set things up to administer it and implement it. Like that's just the normal process, but it's also a a challenging time. um, And it's so needed. Like it's just an interesting policy time for these programs to go live. Yeah. And and you and I talk about this all the time of sort of connecting the dots between different policies in order to make the program successful. 
I will say, um, you know, the good news in, in Illinois is that the, the most recent budget did include significant increases um, for both uh, CMHCs and SUD providers as well. I mean, we shouldn't leave them out of this conversation. That's going to be part of the calls coming into 988 as well are going to include, you know, SUD related issues as well. Um, and so there's been significant increases um, in the state budget. Um, there was also um, funding opportunities in um, the federal budget around home and community-based services that the state is um, taking advantage of, specifically for pathways to get uh, the CMHC staff trained, hired, and up and running um, for the pathways program specifically. Um, and we've seen other you know, initiatives in the state of Illinois, like the state loan repayment program was expanded to include behavioral health specifically, which um, you know, does a lot for attracting not only the individuals, but also their families um, to Illinois and to certain communities. Um, and, and hopefully they'll stay once they come um, and, and really take an interest in behavioral health and underserved communities. So lots of activities, lots of activity, um, but also a lot of challenges between the increased demand for behavioral health services as a result of COVID, um, the existing demand that existed before COVID, um, and then the workforce shortages on top of it. It's it's definitely a challenging time, um, but Illinois really is stepping up and, and answering um, the need. So um, yeah, good time to, to be in policy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I really, as you were just saying that, in my mind, I was just thinking, you know, Illinois is doing everything they can to meet this moment. Um, it is a moment of intense need. It is a moment of intense challenges. Um, but they really are, as a state, they've increased funding. They're trying to increase different modalities, different resources. I mean, they're doing what they can do and, and to meet the need in challenging circumstances. And we're going to continue to follow this. We're going to continue to sort of talk about it. Um, I know this will not be our last discussion on it for sure. Um, Jill, as always, just Thank you so much for joining and walking us through all that is moving in the behavioral health space. Thank you so much for having me back again. I love these discussions and I'm happy to do it anytime. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today, we encourage you to visit our website, imhip.net. And of course, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Olds Fry. The Sam and Sam says, as always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.